Hello and welcome back to the latest Tink Business Podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Today we talk to Alan Donegan, co-founder of the Rebel Business School. Since 2011, Alan and his team have been travelling the UK and other parts of the world delivering the Rebel Business Schools, which consist of five or ten full-day sessions that support people in self-employment and teaching them how to set up a business for free. Over the past decade, the Rebel School has been able to support over 17,000 people. Donegan shares his ethos on starting a business and his plans for Ireland. So, Alan, you're very welcome. Now, Alan, uh, the, the Rebel School, as I understand it, is not like any other school that we know of. It's 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 not like uh, you need to be bringing loads of books and uh, do everything. I, 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 I would dare, dare say, are there exams involved? But t- tell, tell us about the Rebel School and how it came about. And what, what, what will it, it's, a, it's a different philosophy on entrepreneurship is the best, probably the best way to describe it. It's a completely different philosophy. And actually, like the school name doesn't really help us. We're kind of the opposite of the word school. <laughs> and it's completely aimed at adults, not mm. at kids. Um, and I guess, well, let's start at the beginning. How did it come back about? Mm. I went, I wanted to start a business myself. So I went to, uh, there was a service by the British government called Business Link, and they gave you three workshops how to write a business plan. Uh, finance, which was just a code word for debt, and marketing. Mm. And they did more to put me off starting a business than they did to actually help me get going. Mm. And I was lost for many years wondering, like, how do I get going? What do I do? How do I build my business? I figured out some stuff on my own. I learned for some books. I built businesses. And then eventually, like, I started to see like there is a better way to start a business. A business plan is not actually a good way to start a business. It's a great way to raise money, but it's not necessarily a great way to build a business. Mm. Well, it's it's like a it's like a formality, isn't it? Like you you're basically laying out kind of a mind map for what you intend to do, and really you're trying to impress it on whoever is like if it's a bank loaning your money, you're trying to say, well, this is how I'm going to do it, and this is how it's going to be achieved. Um, but I think what you're saying there is that you also need to just get on with the business too and not be too tied up in, in paperwork, really. Well, the traditional way of starting a business is you come up with an idea, then you write a business plan, then you borrow the money you need to get going, then you spend all of that money on stuff, marketing, business cards, I don't know, whatever you spend it on. Uh, and then maybe a year later, you actually start to sell something and <laughs> If it goes wrong at that point, you are in such a pickle. It is unbelievable because you've invested everything in this idea. Um, So we went, well, why don't we skip all of that stuff, turn it on its head and start with sales? Hmm. Because if you start with sales, if you get a customer first, if you have a customer, you have a business, then we can fulfill that customer's needs, see if it actually works. If you put the idea out there and no one buys, then you don't have a business. And you haven't lost anything at that point, whereas in the other model, like that's some serious risk. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, let's just say, in, in in a lot of cases, people we overlook as entrepreneurs, and we don't give them enough credit. Let's take, let's take a mechanic for example. Uh, a mechanic 
will probably start with the sale because people say, well, you're good with your hands and I need to fix my car. And often before they know it, they have a business. And, you know, maybe then they might need to go and borrow, you know, do a business plan if they want to borrow to expand, for example, or, you know. But but the reality is a lot of people who are good at things that we, we tend to think of entrepreneurship in almost this filter where everything has to be dot com or, you know, digital and, you know, uh, I want to be a unicorn and stuff, which is kind of like, no, actually, people mostly just want to make a living and uh, pay for things uh, by being good at something. And therefore, it could be a freelance journalist, it could be a mechanic, it could be a baker, it could be a solicitor, it could be anyone who has uh, who, who basically provides something that people need. But often we confuse it all with paperwork up front instead of like, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of the most successful business people I've actually met in my time began because they did a business before they knew it, because... They had skills that were transferable and suddenly, well, I better start doing the things I need to start paying tax on this or I need to, you know, that kind of thing, right? Yes. And I think it's quite interesting because if you look at the the makeup of the economy, something like 96% of the businesses in our economy are the very small ones. They're mm. the one to less than 10 people businesses. There yeah. are very few that are the giant dot-com businesses, but most of the Support yeah. is designed for these big businesses, not your average human being who might not even see themselves as an entrepreneur. That's 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 actually very true in Ireland too. Like if particularly because you know, um, you know, there is this constant argument about you know we we have a very large SME economy, and you know I think ninety percent of people in Ireland are employed by SMEs, and SMEs by Irish standards are probably sometimes mostly less than ten or fifteen people really, and. Then the other aspect of that is that a lot of our really high-end supports and taxes are kind of geared more towards supporting multinationals. And let's be fair, they do they do say multinationals do provide, you know, for every one job in a multinational, there's three more in the local economy because they're buying from SMEs and that's a good thing. But at the same time, you know, I think supports should be clearer defined, uh, particularly things like taxes and everything else that should be make it easier to go into business, not harder. Yes, and most of the support seems to be directed at building the next thousand-person business. Mm. They want to build the next unicorn, the next big thing, and they miss out helping all of the people who just want to build a small business doing this, a yeah. business trading online. And not every business needs to be a thousand people. Like You could have a business that's gone trundling along for 40 years, employing 20, 30, 40 people. And that's as you need a good amount of them with is, is is just as good as you know five or six thousand people companies. You know what I mean? I I think there, there's room for all, but definitely for for wanting, don't punish the small guys. That's that's one rule. So that's what we set up. We spent we've spent ten years trying to help people build small businesses and make money doing something they love, because there has never been a time in history where it's as easy to do something you actually enjoy and make a living. So many people put up and start businesses in things they don't like. Hmm. Like they always confuse me. I want to start a business. Let me pick something I really don't like. Uh, <laughs> and then I'll do that. Like it seems the strangest mindset, but it's this thing of like, I want to focus on the money rather than focusing on the passion and then finding a way to make money doing and I, and often, what you love. And often a lot of people stay in jobs that they're, you know, they, they, they're they not passionate about it and they say, I would love to have done something like set up a shoe shop or a fashion shop or something. And they're talking about it nearly when they're nearly 50 and they still haven't done it. And it's like, that's a shame. You know, that's uh, you, your whole life hasn't been. You never tried it. You never tried because it's probably too hard. And I will say to people as well, entrepreneurship is quite a lonely game as well, because sometimes when you're starting out and it's maybe not going to plan or it's 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 like you're really just starting out with a blank page. 
it's quite a lonely exercise until you maybe have colleagues again or you have you know uh, built up a good customer network. Yes, I think part of that is people think entrepreneurship is a solo sport because we hold up all of these successful entrepreneurs who've made it on their own they are successful and they've made it on their own yeah, they didn't you don't, need anything yeah but else. There's, there's there's actually they did and there's lots of people there's like people who probably be by their side from the start you know uh, employees who you know gave good length of time to help that happen you know yeah so if you're an entrepreneur and you're feeling lonely find other entrepreneurs find people connect with them work together we had a, a wedding cake business a wedding photography business and a wedding band all trying to start their businesses at the same thing i'm like you should be friends like <laughs> these are the perfect businesses to work together to find clients and then you can sell the package you can work this way you can work that way like I think people think business is a zero-sum game. And what mm. I mean by that is there's only one winner. But there doesn't have to be. We can all win together. Mm. So find some friends and let's build stuff together. When did the penny drop for you to say, right, I can teach this. I, I, I've, I've, um, I've figured out how to do it. I, I've, 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 I've figured out that I don't like sitting on my hands and filling in forms. I, I'd rather just do it. And I think that's something I'd like to teach to other people. Wh when did that penny drop? And, and where were you at? Were you already running successful business when you decided to set up the Rebel School? And, you know, does, does, does the Rebel School even have a curriculum? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I built a successful training business, so I was teaching presentation skills and different things like that. I landed Microsoft as a client, as a one-man band, and I felt very proud of that. And I was making some reasonable money, so I was like, okay, I have enough proof in my mind that I've generated profit that I can share. Here's what I did. Here's how it worked. So I started to create it, and we basically run a two-week course so you ask, does it have a curriculum? Day one is five ways to build a business with no money because everyone thinks it takes money to make money. So mm. like day one, smash that belief. You do not need money. Here's how to get going for free. Day two is sales and marketing because if you don't have a customer, you don't have a business. So let's find customers and make money. And then it kind of builds from there for two weeks. Uh, and something like 40% of people make their first sale before the course is even over. Really? Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. I, th I think it's kind of like um, <clears throat> they you're, you're basically you're ushering them to say, well, if you've already got something to sell, sell it now, you know. Um, yeah, let's go. Yeah, and, 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 and that's 40%, and, and that's quite a good achievement rate. And, he, and what, what are these typical uh, businesses like? What kind of businesses are, are they, what kind of walks of life are they in that, that, that they're able to achieve sales almost from the get-go? So it's everything you've mentioned and everything you could imagine from photographers mm. to cake businesses to um, there was one that was a festival in a box business. So she would supply everything you need to go to a festival, the tent, the sleeping bag, the that's a, that's a good emergency idea. <laughs> supplies. Yeah. Um, there was so many different businesses. It's unbelievable because we start with the question, what are you excited about? Mm. And then go, how do we build a business doing that? Um, so there's a range of businesses. Mm. Um, and, I guess like every walk of life and every age you could imagine. We're about 70% of the people who come to our courses are female at the moment, which is not something we're aiming for. It's just something that's happening. That's good. Um, and we do a lot of work with uh, job centres, housing associations, because we wanted to help the people who really need it the most. Mm. And I think 
if there is one thing I was most proud of, John, it is no one has ever paid to come on our courses. Uh, we find sponsors. So it's sponsored by the council, the housing association, by banks, by different people. They fund our courses and we give it away to the communities that need it the most. And how many? How long have you been doing this? And, and, and how many businesses now would, have you reckon have gone through, through, through the rebel schools uh, doors, I suppose? Uh, we've just celebrated our 10th anniversary uh, and it's fascinating. We're now in France, Morocco, New Zealand. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time last year in Colombia setting up the Spanish Rebel Business School Colombia. Uh, and I don't know, there's probably been, I think through the UK courses alone, there's been about 25,000 people who've been through the course. Brilliant. Um, through the podcast, we're heading towards a million downloads. Wow. Um, like it's spreading. And like, I think my mission is to free everyone and say, you don't need money to create the life you actually want to live. There are other ways to do it. And let's help you get going. Let's unlock the door and free people to build. And that's the thing I like. I like the organic aspect to this, because if you look around you, wherever you're sitting right now and you're listening to this and you're, you know, you could be in a coffee shop, you could be at home, you could be in your car, look around you, everywhere around you, every street you've got, you pass through has a business on it. And, you know, all you need really, I suppose, is if you have something that's transferable, like a skill or a service that you can provide, there's nothing to stop you really, as long as there's a demand for that. There's a business, right? Um, tell us about your plans for Ireland, because um, you know the Rebel School is coming to Ireland. So, so what do you hope to achieve in Ireland? I think it's like for me, the mission is always to enable people to get going, because hmm. I think they feel so trapped. So we want to come to Ireland. Uh, I love Ireland. My heritage is from Ireland, even though my accent does not sound like <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> And we want to come and support people to build businesses and get going, because I think we have a novel approach that's something slightly different. And like, I'm always very keen on adding values to people's world, John. Would you mind if I just gave them like one of the most important things from the course? Like, sure. skip the sales pitch. Here's the actual thing. Go ahead. So like, if I could give one message to everyone out there, it would be sell before you create, which is kind of the opposite of what every entrepreneur does. They want to create the product, create the service, build everything, design the website, design the, the blog, design the like business cards, who knows? Mm. Um, sounds a bit 90s, but people still like business cards for some reason. They want to design everything <laughs> first and then sell second. But you know what, when you're saying that, when, you, when you're saying that, like, design everything first, I just see a huge recipe for procrastination. You know, like when you go like, oh, I'm designing the business card today and I wrote a blog and, you know, all of that just takes time, right? And in the meantime, you're not selling anything. That's exactly it. And how do I know this happens? It's because it's what I did. I was like, I'll build my website because it's uh, easier than making a sales call or going and pitching to someone or doing it. So we procrastinate with stuff that feels productive but doesn't actually deliver you a business. And I did mm. that for years. So stop all of that stuff and get a customer first. So if you've got a course you want to sell, go and pitch someone, just pitch them the title. You don't have to have written the course. If you've got uh, a product or a service you want to do, like design the outline in your head, maybe write a few bullet points down and go and pitch it. And if someone buys, you've got a business and then we can deliver it. Um, so I just to everyone out there, sell before you create because 
creating before you sell is why entrepreneurs end up with garages full of stuff that they can't sell because they build it all. They print the t-shirts, they print the books, they do whatever. Spend the money. And then they try and sell it. Yeah. And they're like, it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, let's just sell it first. And then you would know, and then you can print it second. Can I ask you a question? In Ireland, I, I've often said this. I think in Ireland, culturally, we have a little, I don't know if it's the same in the UK, and you can tell me if it is or not, but we have a, a slightly uh, snobby attitude towards sales, right? I think I think Irish people shy away from being sold. If you call a person a salesperson, they almost go, oh my God, that's, that's not who I am. And and the thing is, I, think, I don't know what it goes back to or why it is, but certainly I, I think of things like let's just say in your say your your big posh houses of the 19th century they had the tradesman's entrance maybe people think of of sales that way uh but then again you go to america and everyone is preconditioned to sell you're taught to sell for your you, in your first day in school you're you're meant, you're meant to tell everyone you're awesome and you're great and, and you know you you you're on this path to constantly selling yourself and bigging yourself up or whatever whereas i don't know where it's the irish and uk thing where you know we tend to have um we frown on people maybe talking, sale, selling, 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 you know, overselling themselves perhaps, or, or you know, you know, we, in Ireland we've this term, oh, they've got notions, you know, that's that's one of our, our favourite expressions. And and, it, and when you think about it, like, uh, as well, and I noticed this when I do it myself, like, you go into a shop, like in America you go into a shop and someone goes, hi, have a nice day, and are you interested? And before you know it, someone sold you something, even though you didn't, didn't intend to go into a shop. In Ireland, I know when you walk into a shop, somebody goes over, um, can I help you? And I say, oh, no, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. You're almost defensive, right? And I think we have this kind of just notion about sales that it's almost, oh, I, I don't have to sell. I mean, that person was trying to sell me something here. If, if that's a bad thing. Do, do you find that some, a universal truth or is it just, am I just being hard on Ireland and maybe maybe the UK too? <laughs> So let me do an experiment. If you're listening to this right now in your car, shout out the first word, and you do this as well, John, the first word that comes to mind when I say the word salesman. Suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably shiny suit. Yeah, uh, polyester. <laughs> Polyester. Oh, I've done this experiment globally. I've run sales courses in Dubai. I've run them in the United States of America. I've run courses all over the world. And everywhere you go, they say pushy, dodgy, scammy, uh, shiny suits, used cars, window salesmen. But there's this disdain yeah. for sales. And I'm saying to entrepreneurs, like, okay, the most important thing you can do is go out and sell. And then they go, okay, got it. I need to go out and sell, but sales is evil and wrong and I'm pushing my product on people who don't want it. But they have this completely wrong vision of what sales is. Mm. Sales is not pushing a thing. Sales is finding someone with a problem that you can fix and make money doing that. That's what sales is. And if they don't have the problem that you fix whatever it is like if you're selling running trainers find someone who needs a new pair of running trainers and wants this and wants that if you're selling photography find someone who's got the problem that your photography fixes mm. every business fixes a problem otherwise it wouldn't be in business mm. and if you look at it like that suddenly you get excited it's like let me out into the world and i want to find people i can help and i can go and help them and i can make money doing that that's what sales truly is sales is not pushing stuff on people i was going to swear but i caught myself john <laughs> sales is not pushing stuff 
on people who do not want it. Sales is finding people who have a problem and helping them solve their problem, making their life better and making money doing it. Sales is the transfer of enthusiasm from one person to another. I like that, and and that's actually marketing one hundred and one in in a sense too, because you know if there's if there's a market for it, a friend, a friend of mine used to say if there's a gap in the market, there's a market in the gap. You know that was a line he used to use a lot, and he's a very successful salesman, by the way, and and unashamed about it. Uh, the other thing is think as well, like when you think about the way we're, we're the world we're in is all digital, and everyone's carrying smartphones, and you know like a lot of jobs that are big today didn't exist five or six years ago. You got things like user experience, SEO, um, like. The whole world of Google and Facebook and the way they are used using social media to reach markets, reach people, does that stuff, like, I mean, a lot of what you're talking about speaks to my sense of instinct, you know, instinctive sales, people who can walk into a room and, you know, you know, find a market in the room. Uh, whereas, you know, we, we did, is it dangerous that so many digital layers are added to things that don't create that more opportunities for procrastination or get in the way? Or do you find digital is something that actually helps you get closer to what you're looking for? And, you know, you know, if you have the time and you make the time that, yeah, because there's a lot to, lot to unpack with digital, right? I mean, SEO is is, 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 is a discipline in itself. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, but you could spend a lot of time unpacking it and not selling as well, as you point out. So I think if we... we to split sales into two ways mm. there is indirect sales or broadcast and there is direct sales mm. and it doesn't matter which platform you're choosing to do it on digital real life face-to-face podcast i don't care um indirect sales is putting out a poster up on the wall and hoping someone contacts you indirect sales is putting a post on facebook or instagram and crossing your fingers and hoping they come to you. Hmm. Direct sales is sending a direct message on LinkedIn to someone and saying, like, this is what I do. Do you have this issue? (laughs) Could I help? Can we chat? Direct sales is making a phone call. It's using Facebook and sending a direct message and talking to a human being. So I suppose suppose another version of cold calling, you know, cold calling as well. But like, you know, back in when I was starting out in journalism, um, I used to ring newspaper editors up all the time and say, I have a story. Are you interested? And if they were interested, they'd buy it off me. That was me hustling when I was probably 19 or 20. You know, that was, that. I think that's what a lot of people do, should do, learn, learn that way. Yeah. And like, get out there and actually do it. So I think when you ask about the digital stuff, it's, are you using the digital stuff to build your business or mm. are you using it to hide from what you actually need to be doing, which is build your business and find mm. clients? And that's the question. So everyone listening to this, look deep within your soul <laughs> and tell me, are you hiding from doing what you actually need to do to build your business? That's a good point. That's a really good point. Now, before we go, uh, we were talking and you are currently talking to me via the miracle that is the internet. In You're in Bangkok, Thailand. I'm in uh, rainy Ireland. Um, but you're doing the trip of a lifetime. You're, 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 you're in Thailand, you're going to Vietnam, you plan to go to Japan. Uh, and I asked you questions. Uh, you do, is this a bucket, tri- bucket list trip? What are you doing? And you, you, you kind of ad- answered that you're doing it anyway because you're financially independent. So Rebel School has succeeded in making you financially independent. T- tell us, was that, was that the goal you'd set out for? Was that the goal you'd set out for your life? And, and what, what does financial independence really mean for people? So... The fin- Let's start at the beginning then. Uh, financial independence is when you own enough assets 
that they produce enough income that whether you work or not, you have more than your expenses to mm. live off. That if you've done that, then you don't have to work. The assets provide for you. Uh, that was one of my goals. It was never the goal for Rebel Business School. Rebel mm. School, I wanted to build and help people. And then I wanted to make a decent income doing it. Uh, the goal for financial independence was my wife and my goal for our lives personally. So mm. we set out to do that for us. She got a great job. Uh, I earned good money. We pulled it all together and we bought assets that would be able to fund us for the future. And I think one of the things we've learned is people aren't necessarily very good with money in general. No, it, it seems to be, it seems to just come in to go out. That's it seems to be most people's philosophy on money. Yes, money flies in and then you go, where did it all go uh, <laughs> at the end of the month? And actually, there's a clear answer to where did it all go? We can look at your bank statements. We can look at what you <laughs> spent it on and work it out where the it went. The evidence um, is there. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to be incriminated. They don't want to be incriminated. But anyway... That's our mission now, Katie and I, in our like semi-retirement, like in our freedom to do anything. Mm. We've launched the Rebel Finance School to help people learn about investing, personal finance, because we think there's a whole bunch of bad beliefs and people need help with that stuff to yeah. work out what actually to do with their money. Well, that's that's true. I think most people are, are like lambs to slaughter, like they go to college, they amass college debt. Uh, they get a job, they get a bank account and they're given things like credit cards and no one tells you how to use these things and before you know it, it's a habit, it's a bad habit of a lifetime. And I think things like, you know, people often wonder, well, how, how are the rich rich and how do the rich stay rich? And I and I, th- I kind of think when you, the more you learn, and it's even down to the internet, you can read more and you kind of go, well actually they, they know all the tricks. Like for example, um, some people drive big heavy cars or jeeps and things because if they're used for a certain amount of work, they can get a tax write-off, for example. And that's how they can afford the big car. And most most mortals who simply go to school and college and get a job and that, they aren't taught these things because they don't have a family accountant or they don't have the, the, the accoutrements that make them potentially financially smart. So a person could potentially go through life making lots of bad financial decisions, thinking that the only good decision they ever made was to buy a house uh, and get a mortgage and just pay that one mortgage all their lives. Whereas the the way rich people are rich is because they figured out that there's certain things you do do right and it's sometimes it's handed on through you know families or it's handed on through networks but generally most mortals simply just think that the best they can do is get a job and work all their life so if i could give everyone one piece of advice which i wish i'd had earlier in my life it would be the difference between an asset and a liability An asset is something that makes you money and puts money into your pocket. A liability is something that strips money out of your pocket. So for most of us, a liability is your car. Like Mm. you spend money on insurance, tires, fuel, takes money away. Don't don't let's not talk about depreciation on that asset alone when you buy it. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) Um, So if you look at people, and this is a question for everyone listening, what do you spend most of your money on? Is it spent on assets or is it spent on liabilities? And everyone sees the home they live in as an asset, but the home you live in, is it providing you with any income or does it cost you money every month? Yeah, I I just see bills, a lot of bills. (laughs) (laughs) So for us, that would be a liability. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, If you were to rent it out or rent out a spare room or rent it Mm. out, then it would become an asset because it would bring money in. But nearly everyone, like, 
how many assets do you own, John? How many, if you're listening to this, how many assets do you actually own? Like, if you could do one thing, buy assets that bring you money, don't spend your money on stuff that takes money out of your pocket. That sounds like a good... That's, what I like about you is you've got a very clear way of thinking on things, uh, like sales 101, marketing 101, and that's just been a lesson in economics 101. And, you know, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people, I just think, often don't... Uh, like, you, you, could, you could spend four years studying business in college, and you could read about Keynesian economics and God knows what, and still be very bad at, you know, managing your money when you're in the real world then. And, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's really about clear thinking, isn't it? On a lot of things, just kind of cut through all the things that will distract you and just get to the heart of the matter, which is like, stop spending all your money on merchandise before you even sell the first thing. <laughs> you know. I'm quite a simple person, John. I'm just, I like things to be simple. Let's keep it really simple and then we can build something around that. Uh, and my wife always likes to say my key skill is breaking things down and coming mm. back to the simple basics. Because I truly believe if we get the basics right, then we have a solid platform that we can build our businesses, our finances, our relationships and our life from, uh, then we can build something extraordinary. And, and I like I like the fact that your 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 tagline is rebel because you know you're it's kind of rebelling against all the constraints we put on ourselves rather than it's not like you're rebelling against a system or anything else. It's just really we're rebelling against the constraints we put on our minds really as well. Like in the sense that if we could just think clearly and you know, focus on sell the sale of a service in return for for money is business one hundred and one. You know, and then the rest can follow. Obviously, if you think clearly enough about it, absolutely. And I actually think it's the standard life plan, the standard beliefs that we're all handed that sales is scummy, that it takes money to make money, that your home you live in is the most important thing you could buy. All these like standard beliefs that are handed to us, mm. I want us to rebel against and to actually consider what's best for us. So if you're listening to this, what is best for you? Not what you're told to do, not what you should do, not what the world says, you should buy a bigger house, you should buy a bigger car, you should do this, you should do that, you should get all of these things. Like what's actually right for your life and what you actually want to do and on that sage advice thank you so much alan the rebel school that was great that was a time well spent and it really for me it's a friday morning i'm talking to you and it's a print it's been an, an electrifying start to the day so thank you so much <laughs> thank you for having me on the show it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs>